Welcome to episode 12 of Professional Ballads, a bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. On this episode, we will discuss balancing defending yourself versus being defensive. This discussion can be utilized to protect your personal reputation, self-brand, or business interest. In the age of cancel culture, you really need to understand how to balance telling your side of the story without validating, extending, or weaponizing what other people might say about you in person, online, or via the media. What is the balance of passive or aggressive when addressing issues if you even address them at all? This long-form podcast episode is posted once a month as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers. How to balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life. More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this or that scenarios. Let's get started. The first thing we need to balance is the idea of defending yourself versus being defensive. You obviously want to be defensive of your reputation and your brand, whether it's self-brand or your business brand, online or otherwise, but you can't be defensive in the actions you take or the opinion or impression that you create in other people. There needs to definitely be a delicate approach and a definitive balance between defending and being defensive. You start first of all by whether or not you should respond to any issue or are you only adding fuel to the fire? Do you need to respond to a negative comment, to a negative review, to a negative news story, or something that doesn't seem to be as favorable as you would like it to be? Or do you need to avoid that response? in order to not continue on the story and give people additional reasons to make comments based on your response. This is the hardest part and one of the reasons we started with this conversation because the initial answer is it depends and it doesn't help you very much. So I will go deeper into what that means and how you can evaluate what that response should be for yourself. The default should be to not respond to negative comments that do not rise to a detrimental or controversial level. If it's not extremely negative, your default should be to not respond because response definitely adds fuel and allows for rebuttals from the people that you are responding to. In that case, You should attempt to respond as little as possible unless the response is absolutely necessary. And at that time, then whatever the responses from that would be followed up from the people who are sort of tuning in or ganging up or jumping on the bandwagon of the conversation, whatever they can add to it can't be as negative as the initial review or comment itself. This is the quickest way to decide for yourself in a balance of do we respond at all or is that response just simply adding fuel and giving life to the comments that began this whole process. So the second thing to balance is do you wish to stop the flow of conversation or do you want to give it relevance? Now obviously you don't want to give relevance to negative comments, negative reviews, 
or people's negative opinions or yourself and of your business unless you have an opportunity to change those opinions by continuing the conversation. So in that case, you want to continue the conversation if you have an opportunity because of your response, because of your willingness to address or fix the situation or some other mitigating factors, or do you want to stop this process, stop the flow, and not give relevance to those comments by simply letting them stay where they are, which is the initial posting or the place where they were initially published. Only when you can benefit yourself, your brand, and your reputation by moving the conversation forward should you consider doing that. You also need to consider the level of importance of the issue itself. Is it a small day-to-day execution issue, or is it a major controversy about yourself or your brand? Is it something that could hurt, slow down, even cripple, or kill your business? Or is it something that people will forget by the end of the day, even by the end of the hour? If it is a minor issue, if someone is simply did not receive service as the level of expectation, delivery at the level of expectation, there was something that they expected that they did not get, but it wasn't necessarily wrong or illegal or unethical or not living up to stand business standards, then it's a matter of opinion versus execution something that is easy to let go. If it is a level of controversy, if it's a level of real effectiveness upon your business moving forward in the future, whether the people that do business with you as consumers, people who work within your business, within your industry, your, your vendors, your suppliers, your collaborators, etc., if it's going to affect them and their opinion of you, then it does need to be addressed. That also includes the importance of the complainant themselves. Is it a random person that you don't know you even did business with or can't prove one way or the other? Is it a member of your audience, someone who you do business with, who, would, who it resembles your primary target, someone who could very possibly be someone you do business with? Is it someone who influences people you do business with? because of their role in society, because of an influence on a platform, or because of being an example of your type of target audience. If someone is a member of your audience or an influencer of your audience, then the idea of whether you address the issue or not becomes more important. The level of importance of the issue itself and the importance of the complainant, the person making the complaint. If it's a random person with very little influence in the world, the easiest and most prudent thing to do would be to allow the comment to remain on its own without a backup or a continuation from you or your brand. Now, often the best defense is no or little defense at all. What does that mean? I can tell you, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about when it comes to specifically crisis communication and online reputation, is often, very often, and very consistently, the first news report, the initial reports, the first pieces of information that gets out about a story, whether it's between individuals or a media source, etc., 
is wrong. The first reports are typically wrong. And often people forget the first reports because they've subconsciously been trained to not give them credence because they're often turn out to not be true. If you can weather the initial storm in a media report or some other publication of content that is detrimental to your reputation or brand, you will come out better and be in a better position to defend yourself. This allowing this sometimes least an hour, sometimes 24 hours, never respond to something within an hour, quicker than an hour. It doesn't give you enough time to prepare yourself mentally and to have the information at hand, talk to all the parties involved, figure out if this is a, a, a something that actually happened or not, or something that is being created or is done maliciously, etc. So take the time. You may think you need to address everything you say, see with absolute immediacy that is not true within the first hour or two, puts you in the same conversation as when it started. You can give yourself up to 24 hours or the next day, especially if it's something that is impactful and important to your business or there are facts and additional information that need to be gathered in order to bolster your side of the story. This also allows you, whether it's one hour, 24 hours, it allows other people to come to your defense, often called white knights. When other people defend your reputation or your brand from a negative analysis or a negative opinion, these white knights carry much more importance to other people who will be brought to the story than your rebuttal. Let me say that again because it is very important. When other people are willing to stick out their neck and put their reputation on the line for you, what they say will carry weight with people who hear the story or read the comments, etc., much more than any rebuttal from you, even if the, the initial posting is 100% wrong and you can correct it 100%. If it's done by other people who are not you, who are not represented by the brand, who do not work in the business and do not have anything to benefit from it outside of their willingness because they are a fan, because they are a consumer, because they have a business relationship with you that they feel is important, that has more impact on anyone's forming an opinion of to whether the negative issue or the defense of your brand or your personal reputation is more important. So allow the white knight to show up before you defend yourself. You may not have to, thus no defense at all would be your best defense here. But often you need to meet the argument in the middle. This is where you put up a little bit of defense. By meeting someone in the middle who has a difference of opinion about you and your brand is an old debate tactic. Often in a debate, you might have a basic viewpoint that the two sides are on opposite ends, which the two sides are supposed to debate. But within that, maybe two, five, seven, ten points of contention. You can concede as many of those points of contention as possible in order to not actually have the debate about those points of contention. It allows you to, to demonstrate that the opinions of the opposing sides are actually much more similar than, they, than opposite. 
They're more alike than they are apart. And instead of debating 10 points, you're now debating two or three points, which you can focus on as core issues. So you don't have to win all 10 points in a debate in order to win the debate. You simply can concede the first six to seven and then win the next three to four or win two out of three or three out of four to win the debate. So focus on the core issues, concede the issues that you agree upon, meet the people who have a disagreement with you in the middle, and then simply fix what you can or need to in order to overcome the outstanding objections. All you need to do is fix what is broken that is not a common ground, and you can come out with the impression that you have won the debate or presented a better argument, which will then reverse the effect of the negative comment. Don't fight them on every sub-issue. Agree to as many as possible so that you can simply fight them on the most important ones or the ones that you simply can correct because they are factually incorrect or the opinion being expressed is not well-informed. Next becomes the, the balance of sincerity versus deflection. How much of this agreement, how much of this discussion is actual sincerity about wanting to fix problems, correct issues, and make yourself and your business better moving forward, and how much of a discussion is simply trying to deflect blame or change the conversation to something else. Two key factors can allow you to stay sincere as possible without appearing to deflect, but changing the conversation in a more positive way for you. Number one is to correct inaccurate facts. And number two is for allow for opinions. Opinions are very hard to rebut in a black and white way. Facts, on the other hand, are very black and white. By correcting inaccurate facts, such as when I was in your shop on Monday, well, we are not open on Monday, or I bought this type of product, we don't sell that type of product, or I was asked to pay this price, that is not the price that we charge, for, et cetera, et cetera. I, I was served by a person named Rick. We do not have anyone here who works, who works here whose name is Rick. These are facts that can be refuted that then could change the opinion of the people hearing about seeing the, the disagreement and are things that can be kind of set as black and white, that things that can be decided that you are presenting what's true and they are presenting something untrue or untrustworthy or insincere. But you do have to allow for opinions. If someone has an opinion that's your business, that's your brand, that you personally did not live up to their expectations, they're allowed for that opinion and trying to convince them their opinion is completely wrong is a very futile exercise. It's a waste of your time and theirs. So instead of trying to change people's opinions by telling them that it is right or wrong or a black and white approach, just simply correct inaccurate facts 
and then see if that reshapes their opinion or not. This is how you can remain sincere in your conversation about wanting to understand better in order to improve or create a different expectation in the future versus simply deflecting or trying to avoid blame when you have failed to meet expectations. You also need to admit mistakes when possible so that you can A, learn from those mistakes, B, prove your authenticity because you are willing to admit when you have failed to live up to expectations. C, your response could be more telling about that authenticity that you're trying to prove than the actual mistake itself. And in fact, you can take a very negative situation and potentially create a positive view of yourself or your brand if your response to the negative input is as good or better than expected by the audience. If you are willing to admit when you've made mistakes, you're willing to attempt to learn and improve from the negative feedback, if you do that in an authentic way without deflection and in not attempting to avoid any sort of blame or responsibility, that response can create a very positive opinion of yourself or your brand. So your response can be more telling to the audience than the initial mistake. You can also reconfigure the conversation to your authentic response and away from the initial mistake that was made, trivializing the initial complaint against you. But this is only possible if you are being authentic in your response and are attempting to learn what went wrong or how you fail to meet an expectation so that that can be fixed or changed or updated or improved in the future. But you are free to push back if necessary. If the expectations are unrealistic, if the response that is being elicited from you is unrealistic, if they want you to buy them a free car because your burger in the drive-thru was slightly cold, obviously you can push back on the unrealistic expectation set there. But if it is something along the lines of it took too long, the price was too high, the quality wasn't as expected, etc., you can prove yourself willing to do better in the future without need to push back or change the initial complaint. Now, in the continuation of your balance as to whether you address these issues or not, the balance should also lean towards avoiding unnecessary interactions with people who have negative opinions of yourself or your brand. By avoiding those unnecessary interactions, you, you avoid giving validity to their complaints or negative opinions. By creating unnecessary interactions, you actually keep their conversation alive. You keep it valid. You keep it front of mind. You allow for other people to join the conversation, whether they're on your side or not. And ultimately, these things go into what you would probably refer to as the algorithm of the internet. 
the reason that things pop up in social media feeds, the thing, the reason that things show up in a Google feed, the reason that things stay relevant online, social media, digital media, etc., is the algorithm is looking for interactions. The algorithm is looking for things that seems seem interesting because people are talking about it. Don't be one of the people talking about it. Don't present an opportunity for other people to talk about it. Don't present people opportunity to rebut your input on the negative interaction if it's not necessary. Often, a singular complaint will die in the dark. It will go to the bottom of the algorithm, and things that are more important, more relevant, and more timely, beneficial to you, can come to the top if you are being authentic and sincere. So don't be too quick to apologize. In fact, this is called the apology impulse. Our, our modern society has been conditioned to the idea that we must apologize anytime we aggrieve anyone for any reason, big or small, or any of the aspects that we've discussed previously. In fact, this comes from the apology impulse term, comes from the book, The Apology Impulse, How the Business World Ruined Sorry and Why We Can't Stop Saying It by Carrie Cooper and Sean O'Meara. We've discussed this on my business podcast, The Golden Group, a Neil Marketing Podcast, episode 84 in December of 2019 about the business response to negative online reviews, negative input, negative conversations, and avoiding the apology impulse. It might seem like the easiest thing to do and the quickest way to make the negative aspect of the conversation go away is simply by apologizing, but that is absolutely not true. An apology typically is enough if someone is willing to complain about something online or other forum where other people can engage. It's not why they came to the complaint. They didn't complain to get an apology. They complained because they have an alternative motive. I actually produced a LinkedIn article in August of 2019 on this exact idea that people are not looking for an apology from you. In fact, people have two and a half reasons to complain. Those two reasons are they want a resolution or they have a legit complaint. They want you to fix a problem. You can offer a solution because the complaint is valid if you screwed up, but you take the opportunity to create not only a better impression, but potentially a very positive outcome for your business by doing the right thing for the customer. This is the response that I referred to earlier. If you can't fix the problem or there's no actual problem at all, then offering an apology or for misunderstanding engaging them is just an attempt to close the conversation. It's not about making it, making it right. It's about making the complaint go away, which will not make the complainant happy at all. In fact, the complaint reason number two is because they just want to be right. I often call this the let me speak to your manager complaint. People want their opinions validated. They want to be right in the conversation and they want to be thought of 
as someone who is right in their opinion because they're smart, they're capable, they're experienced, etc. The lack of reality is their fault, not yours, and you will never convince them that they aren't right or that they're being unrealistic. So don't waste your time or energy. Their input is not about making your business better in the future, but they want to feel better by telling you off. You cannot fix this. Allow them to vent and then let them and then go on with your business. Do not apologize. By giving the apology, you allow them the power to continue their conversation about being right and you being wrong. And their third type is the actual scam artist. This is two and a half or the third, the half complaint, because it's not a real complaint. They take the same complaint as the let me speak to your manager as far as their tactic goes, but this is a tactic on steroids. There is no single complaint worth giving up your whole store. When you sense that let me speak to your manager is actually a scam artist, go ahead and end the conversation with zero resolution. Nothing good will come of it, and they will quickly move on to something else because that's what scam artists, criminals, and people of that ilk do. They will look for easier targets. So you can find those two and a half reasons people complain on my LinkedIn articles, and I'll put them in the links in the job description or in the show description for the podcast below. These complaint issues, whether it's legitimate or not, is the first thing you need to balance. And then once you do decide if it's legitimate or not, your ability to admit a shortcoming with the expectation of receiving feedback that will make it avoidable in the future or make the transaction more agreeable or essentially at the end of the day better than it was here should be the aim, not apologizing. Because apology often leads to the wrong response. So unless you have done something very egregious, whether intentionally or by omission, if you have really, really, really screwed up, you have harmed someone, you've injured someone, you have done a serious disservice to them, this is the only time you apologize and you do it sincerely, like we discussed earlier, and in ways that makes them whole again or puts them back to where they were before the transaction or before the grievance that you created and allows you to present ways to avoid the situation in the future so that you don't repeat that, so that you've shown that you've taken it serious, that you will make the changes necessary, that you can have the proper response. Again, the focus should be on proper response, although that will come with an apology, but you only apologize when it's essential to do so in order to prove your authenticity and your approach to getting better as you move forward. If you don't need that level of authenticity and sincerity, then don't apologize. If you do need to apologize, you need, it doesn't need to be quick and you shouldn't begin with the apology because you give all the power to the complainant and you have not learned anything from them or addressed any factual errors or anything else 
that we've discussed in the podcast previously. Go through those processes first. Address things that are not factually correct. Allow opinions that are different than yours about whether this was a quality transaction or something worth complaint. Figure out if you have made a mistake, if you have done something wrong, if inaction or other things contributed to the actual lack of of meeting expectation. What happened? Did it happen? Was it intentional? Is the person complaining involved or not? Is it your fault? How much or what is the balance of fault of yours versus theirs? If the majority of it is yours, you've gone through this whole process, you understand everything completely, and you do feel the responsibility for the failure, you now can apologize as the last step in addressing, listening, updating, educating, and improving before apologizing. This is the balance. Do not begin with an apology. You end with an apology and only when necessary. Avoid the apology impulse. I know what you're thinking, but cancel culture. If I don't apologize immediately, if I don't do things quickly, if I fail to provide information or an authentic response that people believe and appreciate, I can be canceled. Now, I'm not going to act like the power of the social media mob isn't there because it is. They have canceled plenty of people that you wouldn't expect would be affected by such things, but they have also failed tremendously at canceling a lot of people that the social media mob has gone after. And in fact, in some cases, bolstered their white knights and their fans and their supporters to a point of a positive position out of a negative scenario. Again, the balance is how much of this is your responsibility, how much of it is in an action on your part or a miscalculation on your part, how much of it is unmet expectations. Did you meet those expectations? Did you set those expectations or did the consumer set them for themselves? Are those expectations unrealistic if set by the consumer? Are they so unrealistic that they rise to the level of potential criminality or some other type of scam situation? Are they complaining about the hair on their plate that they maybe put there themselves because they're trying to get a free food after they've eaten the entire meal? Or are they complaining immediately about the wrong item, cold when it should be hot, hot when it should be cold, not delivered as expected in the time frame, in the manner expected, etc.? Are these your issues or their issues? Are there factual information or is there opinion involved? Is the opinion realistic? Can you address the situation in a way that allows you to improve and do better? Or are they not, the complainant, not going to allow you to improve or to respond correctly or to better your situation as it started if they're not willing to allow you that space that you're willing to allow for them, then don't engage them any further and definitely don't apologize. But if you are the failure, if you have created the situation of unmet expectations, if the weight of this falls upon you and you can 
address it in a way to attempt to not have this happen in the future if your response can be beneficial to your brand moving forward, if the complainant will allow you that space, thus they had a legit, legitimate complaint to begin with, then you meet them in the middle, you agree to the things that you have in common, and you simply address the things that you have dissimilar from each other, which is the core value, the core issue of the complaint itself. If you get to that level, you can then offer an apology after you've taken your other steps to try to balance the situation back in your favor as well as possible without deflecting, without being defensive. So that is how you balance with flexibility as much as possible, when possible, with the opinions, not facts, of others in order to create an outcome that's beneficial to everyone. If the complaint is real, the complaint is realistic, and as your adversary, they're willing to allow you that space to do so. If they're not willing, then there's no reason for you to go the additional effort in order to do so. Instead, try to create a win-win balance between what it was that offered the original negative opinion, negative input from them, address factual issues, address with room for agreement and disagreement, opinions, and attempt to find common ground, commonality in the middle, and a resolution that is beneficial win-win for all involved. Thanks for listening to the Professional Balance, bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. I'll be back next month with a new topic, last Monday of the month, and a new podcast every Saturday with hustle and motivation advice from the office while the competition is still sleeping. Please subscribe, leave a review, and make a comment on social media about what balance issues you would like to hear discussed in this series in the future. Thank you. Saturday morning hustle. Saturday morning hustle. Saturday morning hustle. Wake up and keep chasing your dreams. Oh,